Hey, welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm Stephanie Flam, and I'm here with Alex Horowitz to host today's episode. Hi there. Hey, Alex. So before we introduce our guest, we have some really exciting news. Um, in the next few months, our artists are going to reach a billion dollars in, uh, in download and streaming revenue. So we're really, really pumped about that. Um, so to celebrate, pretty much the entire summer is going to be dedicated to giving uh, independent artists tools to make more money from their music um, and turn it into a sustainable, thriving career, basically. So yeah, and big congrats to all of our TuneCore artists and for all their hard work and the incredible stuff they're doing. And it's really cool for all of us to be a part of helping support them to do that. Um, and so kind of, yeah, today to kick off some of the celebration, we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of either supplementing your income with your music or, or how you sort of go about um, thinking about sort of bridging the reality that music is a passion and it's an art. It's also something people want to spend all their time doing, but realistically, occasionally we have to do things like pay rent and other things like that. And sort of understanding how that all comes together in making a life for yourself that you're proud of, that represents your art, that you're comfortable with, but also still manages to keep the lights on uh, is something we kind of wanted to talk about today. And I think uh, we have a really awesome guest here who's maybe the best in the world to tell us uh, how to do it. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this guest. Uh, so we've got Dan Smith. Uh, Dan started playing guitar when he was 13. Uh, after graduating from NYU in the early 90s, Dan started teaching guitar lessons. And in the mid 90s, he began a flyer campaign that has basically turned him into a New York City icon. Uh, his Dan Smith Will Teach You Guitar flyers have been satirized by John Mayer, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Bojack Horseman, lots and lots of places. So welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me. This is really awesome. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, so I guess to start, could you give us a little bit of background about how you got into music in the first place? Sure. Well, um, I, as long as I can remember, have always wanted to do music. I never really had one big moment or anything. It just was always there for me from, I mean, some of my earliest memories would be hearing, I saw her standing there by the Beatles or a camp counselor playing um you know, uh, The Wind Cries Mary for me, uh, by Jimi Hendrix. That's and such a great one. Yes, it is. It stuck with me. Um, but I think, you know, I really, a big turning point for me was when I started playing guitar. And I had a really amazing teacher when I was 13, and he was um, just a tremendous model for me in terms of doing music, but also teaching music, which was something that um, I did uh, pretty early on. I started teaching um, a little bit when I was 16, um, and uh, I really wa always wanted it to be an experience that was not like a typical guitar lesson. I wanted it to be more like what I had with my teacher, which was I felt like I was hanging out with a professional musician. And we would work on things and everything, but it was more like an overall experience. And I felt like I learned more from that than a, a typical learning experience. Um, the thing I always say to my students is, you know, this isn't, this is, this isn't like school, you know, this is real learning and not to put down school or anything, but it's, <laughs> you know, um, so uh, for me, that was um, really a, a major point for me. And music just was something that was always there, something I always did through school. And then eventually um, I came here to New York and started teaching um, in, uh, well, I guess, 92. Um, and uh, I had been working in a restaurant called Caprice Cafe on uh, Columbus Avenue, which is no longer there. But uh, I learned a lot 
working there and I was putting flyers up and teaching on my days off and um, then eventually I pretty soon got to a point where I could I decided I was going to leave there and just teach full time and that was um, a very kind of heady moment for me to do that um, but it's been an amazing ride so far. Is that a complete answer to your question? Yeah, okay, totally. <laughs> so, so I guess like you're you're working in a restaurant. You're yes. deciding to teach full time. Mm -hmm. Where are you at in terms of your your aspirations as a musician? Like, is this uh, is this a means to an end for you? Is it something that you want to be a full time job? Like, well, yeah. I mean, I I always knew that it would be something that well. I don't know if I always knew that, but I, I always felt like it was something that I could do right away. You know, my, my, um, one of my main philosophies has always kind of been like, take what you have and maximize that. So I knew that I could teach. I knew it was something that um, I saw a lot of opportunity for. Everybody wanted to learn to play guitar. Um, and I definitely always had it in mind to do my own music. And this was really a way for me to do it. I never really saw teaching as something I was doing on the side. And one of my big um, concepts that I try to convey to my students is whatever you're doing, whether you're working as a cashier or whether you're working um, you know, as a construction worker, it it's, sounds cliche, but be the best you can be at that. Don't wait for somebody to pay you $20 million to have a $20 million attitude. And so when I was waiting tables, for example, I made up my mind I was going to make that as powerful an experience as I could for a bunch of reasons. One is because if, I, if you're a really good waiter or a bartender or a manager, then you can leave that there and focus on your music when you leave there. Mm. Um, but I also tried to use it, I, I always try to approach it like, I try to approach everything the way I approach music with the same level of passion and the same level of, of intention and bring a sense of I mean, it sounds very cliche, but, you know, a sense of joy and a sense of rhythm to it. A big part of waiting tables is, is rhythm and kind of being ready for the next thing and kind of thinking ahead, and, but also kind of staying uh, light on your feet. And to me, those are things that I apply directly to music. I apply directly to teaching. So um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I think I, I always had it in mind that I was going to do music. And I also, I guess another point that I want to make about teaching is that it never, I never saw it as, um, like I said, something I was doing on the side. I see it as something that only opens doors for me to the point where like, here I am at TuneCore, mm -hmm. you know, talking to you based on my teaching, based on promoting my teaching. So, um, I think that I have a lot of aspirations beyond where I am now, but I also view what I'm doing right now as just part of a, a path. That's it. I think that's such a cool attitude. And mm -hmm. I, I'd assume like a lot of musicians, I mean, I, I was in a band, band as recently as last year. And uh -huh. I mean, my older band in college, we didn't have the same burdens as you because we were pretty terrible. So like, mm -hmm. you know, it makes it way easier to, uh, to not think of yourself as, as seriously as that. But I, I'd imagine a lot of people who are working other jobs during the day and they're thinking about their music and all mm -hmm. that can get um, down about it or, or feel as if they're not focused on the thing they care most about. Mm -hmm. So do you feel as if like, you seem to have had this great attitude all the way through whatever you were working on, whatever you were doing. So was there, as you progressed through this whole journey, yes. has, has your, 
have your priorities sort of adjusted as your careers changed, or do you just continue to have a steadfast attitude that kind of feels similar all the time? I mean, is it like, oh, now I'm more successful in my music, therefore I need to change this, this, and this, or is it really always been a similar mindset and all one long kind of? I think so. I mean, I, I always viewed it as like um, basically what I was saying before. If I if I am the best waiter, best manager, then that will lead me, and it very much did, to the next thing. So I view my teaching really as the same thing as my music, and um, and it really is very much the case. For example, tonight um, I'm doing a gig on the Upper West Side based on the fact that I was promoting my teaching. I was in a dry cleaners putting up a flyer, and the woman behind the counter said, somebody in here was asking me about you, and they wanted to know if you, if you perform. They're right across the street, this restaurant, and they want to pay you to come in and perform. And that was based on me promoting my teaching. And that is far from the first time that's happened. I've gotten a lot of paying gigs. Um, and anybody who's tried to get a gig in New York City knows that to get paid and to be asked to do it, as opposed to you going in and saying, I can bring in this many people or whatever, uh, that's, that's not nothing. So um, I always kind of had that in mind. And um, so that's just one example. But ultimately, I think the answer to your question is, yes, I always had that kind of attitude about it. I saw it as, as a, a platform for me. And I think also, you know, it's probably worth mentioning that in the early days of my teaching, I was pretty young. I was like 22, and I wasn't feeling super confident about my music or my voice as an artist. And um, I really decided that I was going to use teaching to develop that. And because, you know, when you're teaching people who are just coming in based on a, a flyer, just, you know, general population of the city, <laughs> you never know who you're going to get. You, you know, people are going to um, ask you all kinds of questions that you're not ready for. And it, it really was a tremendous opportunity for me to develop my voice and, and be very, very clear about what I believed and what I was teaching them. And it all, that all informed my music. And I think that's a really good segue to my next question, which Excellent. is, uh, how do you think, because you've been teaching for a really long time, how yes. do you think your um and you you also write music i do um so how do you think that teaching has influenced the way your relationship with music as a songwriter and as as a musician yourself well for one thing teaching in general um let's just take for example teaching songwriting because a number of my students write songs and or want to write songs so by teaching them about it it just crystallizes everything for me on an ongoing basis um, but also just in terms of practical hands-on playing, um, if you teach a hundred people how to play Blackbird by the Beatles, you get pretty good at Blackbird, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's just one song, you know, um, but more than that, and I think on a deeper level than that, um, what I see with my students when they're dealing with something, when they're dealing with an obstacle in themselves to their music, um, it really is an opportunity for me to clarify it for myself by teaching them about it. And I, I also get to see it from the outside, you know. So it's a really, I think, just tremendous opportunity. And I make my living doing it. So um, I, I think that most people think of teaching, you know, say teaching guitar privately or whatever, teaching in general as in, in very limited terms. And they tend to look down their nose at it, which is, 
really too bad um, because it's such a powerful experience and it can be a real, if you approach it the right way, as if you approach it as, as a total person, meaning like, you know, you use it as a way to, um, you use it almost like a mirror to yourself, then it's, it's such a, a, an enriching experience and um, it can be painful, you know, sometimes in the early days people would call me up and say all kinds of things to me that, you know, for lessons or whatever that I didn't know how to answer them, I wasn't really sure what to do, so I, I felt like sometimes I was really uh, kind of lost in the wilderness, but that's kind of how you get a sense of, a very good sense of direction, um, you know, metaphorically and or literally. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, again, I, I forget your original question. I've, I feel like I've gone how, how track, your, but. uh, how your teaching has influenced your music. Oh, I think, yeah, only positively. And, um, I mean, another example that comes to mind is when, uh, you know, I'm in a, in a lesson with a student and maybe I'm just sick of playing the same old songs or whatever. And, um, sometimes I'll just make something up in this, in the lesson and that becomes a song, you know, um, and eventually, you know, usually it's like, here, let's try some chords and see where this takes us. And that's a really powerful thing for the student and for me, um, because the student gets to learn about my process as a songwriter and they can then potentially apply it for themselves. And it's very collaborative and very interactive. Um, and it's a very creative process. That's pretty amazing. And so we talked a lot about, you know, so much of what you're saying, and if I'd seen it on like a t-shirt or a bumper sticker, I'd be mm -hmm. like, of course, but easier said than done. Part of what's so cool for me to have you sitting here is like mm -hmm. someone saying what you consider like all the right things, like having great attitude, working hard, all the stuff that like mm -hmm. you hear since your parents teach you when you're little, but like the walking embodiment of how like you put into practice and saw actual results from the strategy. Um, so I wonder if like to people who might be listening who are either younger and not sure what their mm -hmm. career will have for them or maybe they work a job right now during the day and they don't always have the best attitude because yeah. they're, they want to focus on their music and that's what they care about. Like, do you, is what you're saying, how do you think that kind of translates to people in other professions in addition to teaching or like do you recommend they go closer to teaching specifically or, or is it more of a general life lesson as to how you approach like when you're a waiter and that kind of thing for starters i'd say it's it's general it's a, a general life lesson as you put it I, I mean i think your life is your music you know and one of the things that i see with all my oh, students <laughs> it is i mean i i i'm not a big twitter person but i did tweet at one point just very short i just said uh your life equals you know equal sign because i'm trying to save characters <laughs> for twitter um your life equals your music because it does. And I learned that also every day. I see it um, just interacting with my students, how they are with me just walking in the door. It says everything about what it's gonna, what the music's gonna be when they pick up a guitar and strum or they open up their mouth to sing. And um, I, you know, I, I've taught all kinds of people through the years. I mean, every walk of life, every strata. And I've taught people who are very high functioning in their, in their you know, field but um, they, you know, when it comes to music, there's something that's very, it exposes a lot, you know, and their interaction with me is something that I can see, uh, it's, it's a direct parallel with their, um, if, a, if a parallel can be direct, I think it can, um, it's a direct connection with their, with their music. So there's that, 
Um, but yeah, I go back to my earlier point, which is that if you're a waiter, approach that waiting job, or if you're a, you know, working in an office, be the best you can be at that for you. Because what you're really developing is something that's not just for your boss or for, you know, the company you're working for. You're really developing it for you. Think about the attitude that um, somebody who you really admire who's really successful uh, has about their music. Don't wait to have that attitude. Yeah. And, and uh, so that's what I have done and do. And, um, you know, I, I think people view that like, well, I'll do X, Y, and Z, and then uh, my life will be great. And that's, I think, a really impossible equation um, and, and, you know, designed not to work. I view it as like, here I am now, how do I make this as best, the best I can make it? And, um, and you know, you, it's a marathon. You, you got to be in it for the long haul. People ask me um, periodically, you know, they want to know how I've created the campaign that I have and created the life that I have. And the first question I ask them is, do you know what a war of attrition is? Because that's what I've waged. Hmm. It's a war of attrition. You just wear down the other side over and over and over. And, you know, so for example, when I, when I started putting up flyers, I wasn't thinking in terms of just putting up flyers. I was creating a brand. And, you know, I don't know if I necessarily had that directly in mind when I was 22, but I knew I was in it for the long haul. And I knew it was going to work. I, well, I didn't know it was going to work, but I had a feeling in me, in my bones, that this is going to work. So um, I just tried to stay true to that. That's amazing. And I think a lot of musicians have that intuitive, mm -hmm. I just know it. Like, you can feel it. And, you know, as I said, I mean, your attitude obviously is really both inspiring in the sense of, I mean, like I said, all the right things, but also in the sense that, I mean, it's also, it paid off. Like you get to see mm -hmm. the results from the attitude, which I think is so cool. So I, I also am curious if like, you know, I almost don't want to ruin the myth I've already built up for myself in, in what your story is, but I mean, was there ever a moment where maybe artists listening to this have hit like a, what they perceive to be a rough patch or they're not comfortable with where they are right now? Like, have you ever had a moment where you doubted the plan, had second thoughts, anything like that? Or All just, the time. Really? All the time. But that's where teaching came in for me. Hmm. Um, teaching was a tremendous opportunity to, among other things, just take the focus off of me and put it on somebody else. Mm. And by teaching them maybe just a couple of chords or whatever, helping them feel relaxed about, you know, just getting their fingers on the strings, it helped me relax or it helped me to kind of take a breath for myself just on a practical level. Or if students are dealing with something that, you know, I mean, students on, on a certain level, in my opinion, are always dealing with something pretty deep in themselves when they're trying to make music. It's um, so, you know, I, I really view it as an opportunity for me to take a step back and see the same issues in myself from the outside. Um, and that's constantly um, a way for me to reaffirm my vows to what I'm doing. So, for example, you know, if a student comes in and they're feeling really negative about what they're doing, they're feeling really discouraged, you know, perhaps in some of the same ways that I had been just that same day, um, by talking to them about it, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to people about, you know, having a positive attitude and simultaneously in my head I'm going, oh yeah, right, yeah, that, me, <laughs> I should do that too, you know. Um, so uh, I think, 
you can do that. I mean, teaching, I think, is a great way to do it. I always say teach to learn. Um, but you don't have to teach to do that. But that said, if you're a musician and you, especially if you have an instrument or whether it's just your, I mean, your voice is an instrument, but let's say it's your voice and you have an opportunity to teach somebody something, take it because it, you will learn more than they do. If you do it right, you will get more out of it in many ways than they do. That's pretty amazing. And it's cool also to hear, if, I mean, just someone with such a great attitude that you also have had those moments of like, yeah, hey, is this right? Or those oh, I constantly have those moments. And I yeah. think, yeah. I mean, I think because you are such like an enigma in New York, <laughs> uh, like for people who don't live in New York, it's sure. like every single corner store has a dance myth. will teach a yes. guitar. And like, you can see the evolution of your career because sometimes there's the black and white ones and yeah. sometimes there's the more recent ones. Yeah. There's like an elephant graveyard behind the, you know, uh, um, you know, like some refrigerator that's been moved in a deli. I'm not explaining this right, but like if you <laughs> if you go into a deli and they had my flyer up on the wall and they put a refrigerator there, say in 2004, and then they decided six years later to move the refrigerator, there's like my old flyer. It's like an old, like I say, an elephant graveyard of, <laughs> you know, some old flyer of mine. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember You've that You've run one. into those? Oh yeah. That's amazing. Sure, yeah, I mean, it's time. crazy. Like I met you like yes. three years ago, we were That's saying, right. and, yes. uh, and when I first met you, I was like, I, I didn't even know what to expect because I was uh -huh. like, I had an idea in my mind of this like ghost person. Yeah, I think yeah. it's worth emphasizing this to anyone who's listening, not in New York City here in America. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. The extent, like I actually, I know I shouldn't leak uh, hints about where this podcast is going before it comes out, but I mentioned to a couple of my friends and these uh -huh. are like my music friends, like just buddies I hang out with who mm -hmm. like a software engineer and someone who works in, in data or whatever, just different people. You're, like, you're meeting Dan Smith, <laughs> <laughs> sure. and this is like a thing. So, was there a yeah. moment actually where like you felt it sort of I don't know take off is the right term where like people started to either come up to you and recognize that, or people like, oh, you're the guy from those. Yeah, I'm trying to think when. I mean, definitely when I put my picture on the flyer, that changed things a lot. Mm -hmm. um, people would kind of uh, would certainly put it together uh, before then, but when they had a, a face to put to it all. That's when, yeah, things started to change and people asked to have their picture taken with me or whatever. And, That's pretty cool. And, uh, and then the internet definitely had a huge impact on that because um, people would, you know, blog about it. And that was just for starters. There's a whole, as you probably know, it's a whole subculture unto itself. And now, uh, <laughs> which is crazy and very flattering um, and at times, you know, a little unsettling um, out there. But, uh, but ultimately, it's all very nice. So I think, when did I put my picture on my flyer? I mean, I guess that started in 2002. Pretty sure. But probably the, I mean, the, the one that really, I, I forget, to be honest. It, it's, it's evolved gradually, and then kind of it, it sort of swells up to critical mass at times and then kind of calms down, at least in my perception. Um, so, yeah, somewhere in there. That's amazing. And I'm sure there are people listening who like, like, let's, let's be real. I mean, I, I think most musicians will at least say, and one would hope that what they care about is the music. Mm -hmm. There's some people who are like, I want to be rich and famous. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I want. One of the things I think is so fascinating about your story is that like, you know, as we sort of touched on, it was marketing or branding or whatever you want to call it, the hustle behind not even the music that you were creating initially that created this sort of moment for you. It was actually the 
like you said, the good attitude about the stuff around it. But do, mm-hmm. have you learned any lessons that you would give artists who, even if they're trying to promote their own careers or things like that, like who want to know, like, how did you get your name? Like, your name is a big thing in New York. How, do you have any? Is it that they should all be putting their faces on posters and putting it around? <laughs> would you like, or is there something else to it? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. This is what worked for me, mm-hmm. and um, I think that uh, you know, I'm certainly aware of people who don't necessarily teach music or something, but they offer a service. And I'm not doing myself any favors here, but I think, you know, because there's only a certain amount of flyer space out there. But if if you have a service, you know, make yourself a brand. Even if you, and especially those of you listening who think, yeah, but I'm not a personal trainer, I'm a musician. Yeah, well, I go back to my earlier point then, which is that be the best personal choice sorry i probably shouldn't swear sorry it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you see me look at Stephen, like, can we do that <laughs> i don't know be the, best, be the best personal trainer you can be and that how could that not help you how could that not translate to the same persona the same spirit the same attitude that it takes to do music um so yeah sure why not do a flyer campaign i i certainly um i I know what it takes to do that, and the reality is most people don't want to hang in there for the long haul and go out when you don't feel like it and put up flyers and deal with, you know, store owners saying no to you and and whatever, you know, getting crank calls from high teenagers, you know, on Christmas vacation or whatever, because um, they do. Um, <laughs> but... Um, not but, that we're suggesting anything, anyone listening. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, they'll do it regardless. It's a, it's a thing, you know, whatever. Um, but, I mean, on a certain level, I'm flattered that, you know, when that started happening, I was like, well, I think I'm getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but but sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's certainly something that one could do. But... Um, now I'm forgetting your original question again. Yeah, you actually nailed it. I mean, okay, just kind of like, <laughs> just like, you know... <laughs> If, like how you translate what you've been doing, like yeah. your advice in terms of like, you've actually nailed it in terms of taking the thing you were promoting mm-hmm. and getting the word out and making yourself a thing around it. And that's yeah. a lot of artists want for their art. So just sort of, yeah, like you said, yeah. you know, how you used your, how you would translate what you did. If some artist came, you'd be like, man, I want my music to have that kind of attention. Like, well, I mean, and life is a, tr- a very serendipitous nature, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many opportunities that I've gotten as a result of just doing my thing day in and day out. As I mentioned, I, I got um, paying gigs to perform. Um, I've had all kinds of opportunities come my way. I, and a lot of things that I've, in fact, the majority of them that I say no to, because whatever, they're just not the right thing, or it doesn't, it's not a good fit for me. But, um, but some things like this, for example, which I was very excited to, to come in and do. Um, and it's a great opportunity for me to, um, sure, to promote myself, but also just to, for me to do my thing in a different context. And, and um, so I, I just try to look at whatever I do as, as a platform for me to be myself. That's awesome. And I think it's cool also to have, pull back the mask a little bit that mm-hmm. like something that blew my mind, even though I guess I understood it without really thinking about it, that like everywhere I've seen one of your flyers, mm-hmm. you physically walked in there and yeah. talked to someone and dealt with that. And yeah, exactly. You know, I, I mean, I, periodically I've, I've tried having other people do it for me. Huh. Um, and, and you know, I kind of go in and out with that, but it's, 
first of all, it takes more time and energy to manage something like that than it does for me to just actually do it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, you know, I, I um, that that's very true. I think a lot of people look to the internet, for example, to promote themselves. And I, I have, you know, an internet presence, certainly, but so much of what drives people to my my internet presence is stuff on the internet about my flyer campaign. So people will do, um, I mean, there've been whole, and there are whole websites dedicated to stuff about my flyer campaign, which, you know, I'm, on one hand, I, I always kind of feel like, dude, get a life, please. But, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, great. You know, I'm, I'm flattered by it and it's all, it's all positive. I, I don't view any of it as negative. Um, but my point is that the internet is a tremendous tool, but everybody knows that anybody can have a Facebook page, mm -hmm. right? That's not a big secret at this point. But to your point, there's something, there's a personal nature to it that kind of built into the um, mechanism of putting up flyers is people know that you're serious and that they, and they're gonna, you're gonna attract more serious people. The thing that I've always felt when I'm putting up flyers is I'm not advertising to the people I don't wanna teach. I'm advertising to the people I wanna teach. So I don't really care about the people who, I mean, I care about everybody, but whatever. I, I don't, I'm not really concerned with the people who it's not gonna work with. Um, so there's a, a level of seriousness and, and kind of um, uh, hands-on humanity that's required to promote yourself with flyers. And I've certainly, I've gotten some people through internet stuff, people find my website or whatever it is, but really the, um, just for example, my, you know, where you find me in Google is definitely gone up based on other people linking to my website, for example, based on a blog they wrote about the flyer campaign, for example. So that really goes back to me getting out on the street and doing the grassroots work. And I think, I think also in that way, like with the internet, you can target people who are musicians or you mm -hmm. can target people who like guitar, but mm -hmm. there's something about you know, going in to get a sandwich or getting your shirt cleaned and looking yeah. at a sign and being like, you know what, maybe, maybe I do like, why not? Why yeah. not call this person? Why not try to learn guitar? It's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and you tap into this, this whole other group of people who mm -hmm. you get the idea sparked. And oh, so yeah. you're not reaching people at a point where they're ready to do this thing and they're seeking you out, but mm -hmm. they're, you're the one telling them that it's possible. Absolutely, and I, I think, um, but at the same time, I am also, I'm, I'm reaching people who, who are ready to do it. You know, my current flyer uh, doesn't say Dan Smith will teach you guitar anymore. I've changed that. Um, that continues to evolve. But my current flyer is, is kind of, I like to call it a friendly guilt trip. Um, it says, I feel like playing a sad song for that guitar collecting dust in your closet. And I, came up with that idea because a number of people would come up to me when I was putting up flyers and they would say, oh man, I got a guitar collecting dust in my closet and I haven't played it for and I'd be like, well, dude, you know, give me a call, what's the problem? And so, and you know, that flyer piece has been very, it's been very successful. And I've had people call me up and say, I have a guitar collecting dust in my closet and I need help. 
That's pretty amazing. And, yeah. and something I've loved about this whole conversation is that like we can switch pretty seamlessly between talking about like what musicians are going through with their art versus mm -hmm. what you've gone through with your business. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you mentioned straight away that they're sort of all the same for you. They really are. And it's so cool to watch how, you know, you mentioned having a good attitude, it pays dividends, mm -hmm. but like it's also partially seems to be because it really is. People talk about like the hustle or the work that goes in being successful, mm -hmm. but whatever, it seems like from what you're saying that whatever you do, those rules don't change, that you're successful mm. if you have that attitude, if yeah. you go put up the flyer, if you think about why you worded the copy the way you did, if yeah. you care about the marketing outside of your music, like yeah. if you don't treat it with that attitude, you won't be successful at it. Everything is an art form. And I think that, um, you know, for example, um, the kind of history of my flyers, for me, I've really tried to approach it as an art form with the message of it, the, the look of it, the um how i just how i put them up where i put them up um and uh i'd say whatever it is you're doing that's your art yeah. your life is your art and your job is your art and i know a lot of people out there probably hear me say that and feel like yeah right <laughs> I fucking hate my job i hate my whatever okay but that's your job do your job and it's yours value it and that will take you to the next thing i know you might not you're, you're listening to me going like yeah i don't know it's gonna happen well of course you don't know yet i didn't know yet exactly and i'm not sure exactly where things are going to go from where i'm at now but i know they're going somewhere because i've decided that they are no one's going to decide that for you you have to decide it for yourself i love that attitude and it's and it's so true that like i have no idea how but i know that if you reject the opportunity before it comes mm -hmm. you won't get it yeah that's pretty amazing. yeah your job is to say yes in the world of the uh, in the face of the world saying no and when i teach so much of what i deal with in my students is them saying oh no i can't do that I'll, you know i can't play that uh song because it's too hard for me um you know so my job as a teacher is to say yes constantly and it forces me to to deal with the part of me that's saying no so look for that part of you that's saying no. Listen to it. Don't shut it down. Don't ignore it. And then your job is to say yes. Yeah, my mom always says, um, she's like, if you're really passionate about something, you'll figure out a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. Like if you if you really, really want to do something and you really care about it, that you'll you'll find yeah. you'll find your way to the end of that road. It's yeah. easy to figure out a way to not do it. I can come up with reasons to not play guitar. There's a lot of reasons the there's only one reason to do it which is that you love it and it turns you on yeah so i think that brings us to a to a big question All of right. because you are your own boss and you've been your own boss for a long time mm -hmm. what does success look like to you what does it look like over the years like mm -hmm. how has it changed and evolved mm. i think that on one level success for me is um just being able to have ha put a roof over my head and feed myself and do something I love on my own terms. As you said, I'm my own boss. And, you know, so just to have an apartment in Manhattan and and uh, do my thing with music, and, and uh, that carries with a lot of responsibility. But the other level of success for me is, um, do I have an open road in front of me? And that was the other thing that really attracted me to teaching is because I, I knew that it wasn't something that was going to limit me, you know, and I, um, 
So I would say that is that you still have something in front of you that you're reaching for and you're able to, you know, uh, make a living doing something you enjoy. That's amazing. I think, um, I think it's so cool to hear that you've been able to set those goals for yourself and, and also the even just like apartment in New York, like mm -hmm. again, a little New York centric for our foreign listeners or to wherever you might be. But like, mm -hmm. if you're not familiar, that's amazing. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder. For sure. And you yeah. do it all the while. Like, I mean, I have to say like the older I get, the more I realize that like that music is your life to me is mm -hmm. the rock star dream. And sure. I think a lot of people, especially younger people out there figure like either you're what they consider to be the stereotype of a rock star or you're not, mm -hmm. but I, most of those people wind up ceasing to make music at some point, as opposed to someone who really understands like making music every day is a dream, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, people have a very narrow view of what it is to be a rock star. I mean, I, first of all, I think you, this goes back, I'm repeating myself here, but you have to, you have to decide that you are before anybody else does. Yeah, I mean, John John Mayer mm -hmm. used, copied your flyer campaign to yeah. advertise one of his albums. Like, yeah, that's really, really <laughs> awesome. And that's, that, goes that was very like, that's rock star quality. Yeah. yeah, totally. And that goes to your point about treating everything like it's a piece of art because yeah. that flyer was art to you and now sure. it's used as part of another musician's art. And yeah. Continuing forward, just pretty amazing. Yeah, that was, that was pretty trippy. There was that one and um, Mike Myers did it for... Uh, one of his movies, The Love Guru. I remember when I saw that one, and again, I'd seen a, a number of parodies, and YouTube was just kind of getting started, I think. I might have my time my timeline wrong on this, but I remember looking at that and going, oh, Jesus, people have too much time in their hands. What is this? <laughs> you know. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's Mike Myers. Did you ever <laughs> reach out to like Myers or... or uh... Well, it got very close to the, the his... Uh, people at Paramount or whatever wanted me to be a part of some raffle to uh, for tickets to that show where you could like win a lesson with me or whatever. And they had put together a whole ad campaign they were going to put in a local New York paper and that never happened. That's the other thing when you, uh, this is a good example of um, things that come my way that some of them are cool, some of them are like really lame and I don't want to do them, or some of them are really cool and they just don't happen. You know what I mean? So that's, I think that's worth noting is that, you know, a lot of it, a lot of life is kind of like just you got to keep trying stuff because a lot of stuff won't work, you know, and it, it really is, I go back to my image of it's a war of attrition. You have to kind of just like stick with your thing and keep doing your thing. Sweet. So I think uh, to like sort of get to the end, mm -hmm. um, uh, what do you, what do you see for yourself in the future? Like what is, do you, do you see yourself still teaching? Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's ever going to be a point in your career where you want to move on from teaching? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, um, there, there, as my career recording and, and performing evolves, um, I will, I probably won't take on any new students at, at a certain point, but you know, the logistics will have to change, but as long as my students who I'm working with at the time want to work with me, I always want to stay connected with them and, and try to make that work. Um, but yeah, my, my recording and performing career, um, is something that I see going forward with. And, um, but I, but I always want to try to, um, stay connected with my students, but at some point I probably will stop taking on new students. 
Um, and I guess my last question is, uh, do you have, I mean, you've given a, a ton of awesome advice, but I think Thank you. just as, as sort of a, a capstone, yes, um, do you sure. have any advice for somebody who is trying to make it as a musician and is mm -hmm. sort of is working a full-time job at yes. Starbucks or they're working in a restaurant and they hate it? Uh, yeah. How, yeah. like, what is the biggest piece of advice that you can make, um, well, I mean, the main thing I would say about, say, the the music itself is make, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is going to help people, but um, make great music. Duh. You know, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, whether, and if you're not a performer um, and you see yourself purely as a producer, um, make the best productions you can make and be honest with yourself about it. You know, ask yourself, would I check this off on Spotify? Would I download this on iTunes? Would I want to hear this again? Would I Shazam? If I was in a restaurant and I heard this, would this make me go, I'm going to Shazam this right now because I want to hear it. You know, I always remember the story um, that I heard uh, from um, Motown in which Barry Gordy, the, the guy who ran Motown, would ask his producers slash songwriters, whatever, he would sit in this back in the sixties, he would say, if you had a dollar and you and you hadn't eaten lunch yet, and you know, back then singles were a dollar or whatever they were, um, would you buy a hot dog or would you buy that song? Huh. So ask yourself that question. That's what I ask myself. And um, and if the answer is I'd buy a hot dog, well then know that. And then back to the drawing board essentially. Um, and I go back to my earlier point that I've pretty much been making all the time, which is approach whatever it is you're doing. If you're a sanitation worker or you're a cop or whatever it is you're doing, or you're a secretary and you hate your boss or whatever, then you have to kind of, maybe you have to, it's a little suspension of disbelief required, but you got to make that your art, make that as good as you can make it invent a way. And that, and what you're, you're really not doing it for anybody else other than yourself to give yourself if no, for no other reason than you get home at the end of the day and you've got a more open attitude to doing your music. Alex, do you have anything else? I'm still pretty speechless. We're here okay. with Dan Smith. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what were, were you going to say? Something? No. It's well, mostly I, I will it. say it's been a real pleasure talking to both of you. Yeah, it's awesome. been awesome. It's been great. Um, plugs where can people find you on social sure. media well um so to that end uh you certainly can find me on soundcloud and youtube at dan smith music um facebook and instagram is dan smith music nyc if you are interested in guitar lessons with me you could find me certainly on dansmithguitar.com or facebook uh, would be dan smith guitar lessons so basically if you just kind of go dan smith music or dan smith guitar um all of these wonderful resources will arise to your in your computer or your phone or wherever you're looking. Sweet. Uh, so please don't forget to subscribe to Music Made Me on I, uh, rate us on iTunes and follow us on social media at TuneCore. Uh, and just as a little treat uh, for the end of the episode, as a special celebration of our artists earning a billion dollars, uh, you can distribute your next single through us completely free with the offer code billion. Um, that is a limited time offer, but again, if you use the offer code BILLION, you can distribute your first or your next uh, single for free. Um, and to wrap up the episode, we're going to play one of Dan's songs, Don't Wait, 
um, which is available on his SoundCloud. Uh, so check it out. And thanks for listening. Tick tock tick, time passes by, life is over quick, in the blink of an eye, cause the days turn into weeks, and the weeks turn into months, and the months turn into years, while you live inside your fears, but don't wait, don't wait, master of excuses, expert at complaining, but there's nothing it produces And there's nothing that you're gaining So another year rolls by And you're still not satisfied And the only reason why Is cause you're afraid to try But don't wait Don't wait Don't wait So it's time to wake up Splash some water on your face Make a new plan and get back in the race Cause it's long overdue, so don't waste another day Cause it's time to make your move before it all fades away And don't wait Don't wait Don't So don't leave it till tomorrow Or put it in the hands of fate Cause if you wait too long It just might be too late Cause it's not over yet You got so much left to do Don't let yourself forget That life is here for you So don't wait Don't wait Don't wait Tick tock tick, time passes by, life is over quick, in the blink of an eye.